All right, here we go. Dan, Adrian, it's great to be with you, gentlemen. Yes, good to be here, man. So Thanks. I came here to, you know, see if I could, if you could uh, earn my trust. Yeah, I don't want a relationship with you, so whatever. <laughs> I have Start a request. With- I have a request. Would you just trust me anyway? <laughs> no, no. Start working. I'll sit back. I'll watch how hard you work for my trust, what you do, and then I'll decide whether or not I give it to you. Oh, sounds like marriage to me. <laughs> <laughs> Been in that one before. How's that work? What hoops, so, what hoops do I have to jump through? Tell me. <laughs> you know, we've hit this conversation before around trust, and it's a big one. It's, I mean, it's a common, I don't know about big, it's a common conversation around trust with the leaders that I work with one-to-one, and definitely a common conversation that comes up with the teams that we work on. I think it's a great opportunity for us to um, engage in the conversation again mm-hmm. and uh, talk about wh- how we relate to trust and the the very common idea that trust is earned, right? As if we start, as if like the natural way of being or as if relationships always start at zero trust and then it gets earned. And that's an interesting idea that produces a certain result and uh, that there might be something else available or possible. Um, I want to poke holes first off in this idea that trust is earned or that there is a you know a period of of earning trust i've got to see people's actions before i'm willing to trust them or before they earn my trust you talk about uh yeah i would just love to hear where you guys are at first off with uh with that phrasing or that that framework you, you want me to go down my sure. my so i think one of the things that is is always kind of plaguing me is it's also a gift and it's also a big part of what makes me good at my job. But one of the things that, that also can bug me is that I'm, I'm, I'm naturally paying attention to the mood behind whatever's happening or like where someone's coming from or some kind of some, somebody's motivational pattern What if with whatever they're speaking, it's part of what makes life interesting to me is you know, watching somebody do something or watching them say something. And I'm just there kind of listening for what's unsaid, but generating everything. And even like that framework, like I'm going to sit back and let somebody earn my trust. What naturally comes up for me is the natural greed in that perspective. And that would greed comes up for me. Also, um, survivalism comes up for me because like the purpose of that framework is obviously protection. And like, cause I, I'm unwilling to take any risk over here. So I'm going to play the best game that my, that my, you know, millions of years of evolution or whatever, um, tell me is the best game to play. So, you know, I'd rather protect myself, make sure I'm intact and I survive. Um, and that's not even like a, a necessarily a conscious motive. It, it's definitely an unconscious motive. That's always at, at play. We don't get a vote on that. We want to survive. So the, the game to survive the, the best or to look the best as I'm in this thing called life is to sit back. And once the coast is clear or I'm proven, or I think it's safe out there, then I'll move forward. Then I'll trust, then I'll bestow anything or then I'll give, but I will take, 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 take until I give. And so those two things are what comes up first is like, there's definitely an experience for the person that's thinking that 
that the world's not safe, I'm not safe, people aren't safe, and that generates a natural scarcity. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to poke. I don't know if this fits in the kind of poking holes at it, but it's definitely a an experience people have that if you ask them, "Hey, do you want to live scared?" They would, of course, say no. But they actually operate as scared. They operate out of fear, but with a with a level of superiority. That's like the sneaky part of it. Is there some superiority baked into it that if you've proven yourself to me, then I'll come to the table? And that's why it's both you know superior, it's greedy, and it's survivally. Yeah, and that, that along with the survival aspect for me is that what I hear is what I hear in that sentiment or that framework is, you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skeptically watch really closely for a while, and then when I quote unquote trust you, I'm gonna stop paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's when I'm gonna that's when I can stop watching or waiting or or uh, paying attention to you in a way that I would notice if something was off. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that we, we commonly clout or like we commonly uh, use trust in that framework of like, oh, I trust you. So I no longer need to pay attention to you. I can take advantage of you. In other words, I can stop paying attention as I take advantage. I I take you for granted. Let's just say that. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the natural propensity for if if somebody and the ridiculousness of it is the idea that past performance predicts future performance, which it doesn't. <laughs> yes. right? It's yeah. the background of concerns that you know. If, if you think about it, when you when I trust somebody, it, it has a lot to do with me trying to predict whether they're I can count on them or not. Mm. And prediction is a very goofy thing in the brain. It, the brain likes to believe it can predict when, you know, you're really working. It's an odds game and that that's hard to detect. The question is, what is the set of concerns that bind us? Right. Like, like if your concern is really well served by keeping the agreement, you're probably going to keep it. Right. If your concern isn't well served by keeping your word in this particular case or doing what you said you do or not doing what you said you wouldn't do, then you're probably going to be, you're going to do what your concern, what serves your concern most Mm -hmm. likely. And so if I'm paying attention to somebody in a relationship and I can see that our concerns are aligned, I can probably, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to bestow trust. And, and by the way, this goes with people, like I, like I, in the past, I've talked about. I've done work. I was one of the only American shipbrokers back in the '90s who would work with the Middle Eastern folks because I and the, the Greeks and the Middle Eastern cultures because I understood their culture and their culture is different than our culture. In in our culture, we have a tendency to say, "Oh, they're slimy," but that that's from a Judeo-Christian point of view. But if you go into their into the Middle Eastern, you, you know that they're going to try to take advantage of you. And they do that with each other. And if you get away with it, you, it's, a, it's a badge of honor. Like, like you did it. And the other person goes, wow, I got to get smarter, right? And that's how you gain their respect is by you're able to, like, navigate that and take advantage of them if you can. Like, if you work the deal and you get the advantage. Now, it's a little tougher. It's a little different way of thinking about things. But you pay attention in a world like that. 
You pay, I pay much more attention when I did business with the Middle Easterners than I did with the Westerners because I knew what the game was there. Now, do Westerners play that game? Yes, they do. They just pretend like they're playing the other game. So the question is, how do you, like, I learned that if I'm really clear about what your concerns are and I see they line up with mine, I have a higher chance of succeeding and bestowing trust there. I bestow the trust. I say, okay, that works. Yeah. And I'll just blindly go, oh, you're a broker. I'm a broker. Well, the same thing's true in life. Like, is, are we aligned with this? Is this really going to be better? Are we better off together than apart? And if we are, then it's probably a higher probability that you're going to keep your word than before. And I'm going to keep an eye on what are the things that might, I need to be aware of that might push you the other direction. How many of us think that way? Yeah. What comes up how to many me of us is, stop and think that? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, how many of us stop and even think about when we make an agreement, anything about that? We don't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it hits me that if you're going to actually authentically trust somebody, um, what you must suspend is your propensity to being lazy. Because naive trust, like we've been talking about, just is is built on a foundation of kind of laziness. Meaning, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to like thoroughly take a look at something. I don't want to, you know, do what it takes to properly empathize, like look at the world from someone else's perspective. Um, and so, therefore, you know, naive trust works because I don't have to. It, 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 what, what came to my mind that that generated that thought was when people they'll say they've got a person on their team that's blowing it and they tell me every week about how that person's blowing it and i finally say to them can you please stop being surprised (laughs) like you know you're trying to like act like tell me like this is out of nowhere no 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 there's a pattern of behavior that continues and your foolishness is that you're playing this game called being surprised people always follow their interests period like take it to the bank so the fact that you keep acting surprised is your justification for your level of inaction. So you can always trust someone to follow their own interests, even if their interests are evil or even if their interests are low level or low performing or whatever. They're always going to follow their interests, like whatever they get away with. Some people will just go and do whatever they get away with. But if you're going to be responsible and you're willing to put some work in, then you can actually trust someone to follow their evil intention. That's why like this kind of trust equals valor uh, is a, is only half of the equation. Like you can trust people to do what they're going to do. And if you're willing to trust them, even if their intentions aren't full of honor and full of valor, then you can actually trust them because you know what you can, you know, you've seen them at, at this pattern and what they're up to and you know what their interests are. And, you know, so it's like we usually put trust in um, the fact that someone's honorable, but the trust as a mechanism or as a um, process by which we relate to one another, you can also trust people to do something horrible. And the point of it being is that I kind of know where someone's coming from and I can uh, either choose to partner with them in that future or not to partner with them in that future. So point of all that being is like, if you're willing to put some work in and willing to actually explore and vet 
where someone's coming from, then you actually have the upper hand, which everyone wants some kind of upper hand. There's a, there's an advantage to kind of being wise or, you know, playing a few steps ahead. Dan, you're phenomenal at this. Um, and I like to learn about it and keep practicing it, and, you know, as I'm keep building my, my own practice and my work and my executive functions. But, um, you know, stop being surprised is, 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 is so good. You know, you know like what's behind the surprise? Well, I get something from this person and, and right. I, at least that little I get is worth it. And besides, I get to be so superior when right. they betray me and I right. get what they do for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like if I, if I give up the need to be right or moral or whatever, and I, I could actually get clear about what what have I prostituted myself into here, right? And how have I contributed to? Because again, going back to if I'm going to externalize why I'm doing what I'm doing, like oh this person betrayed me, and now I'm going, you know, to do to them what they did to me, or I have some self righteous reason now to do what I wanted to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I just didn't want to risk what little I was getting from them. Now I'm not getting that. So now I'm going to double down and make them pay. And that is usually the first step to, you know, turning something that's already not so good into hell. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the, the minute I make them pay, then, you know, and we see it all the time, then they're going to want to make me pay. And, you know, at what point, and then that escalates and there's, mm-hmm. and then that leads to divorce. Or war, or war. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking an angle as I was thinking about having this conversation with you guys. There's there's an angle of this that I haven't put a ton of thought to. I mean, I live in it a lot, but I haven't put a lot of conscious thought into it. Which is the experience of if I if I understand trust as naive trust, and I'm the one seeking the trust. What's going to happen is, and I, I, I bought this T-shirt to use Dan, Dan's phrase a million times, is that if somebody that I'm hoping trusts me or that I, I'm, I'm asking for trust from, if they're checking in on me, I can make up that that means they don't trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get frustrated uh, up until now, or in you know, I I can get very frustrated and and think and make up that they're checking in on me on this thing because well, why don't they just trust me with it? I've proven myself. I've done it over and over again, and here they are asking me again if I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's a great. The great right? question is, that, what else that, could be as true? I, I, as what I, I can I, hear Katie's you know, voice of, in my head as what no, I've made up about but, this. What else could be? Not just kidding. As but true definitely. Or even more I mean, relevant. that's been a that's been right? a, a like, point of. Uh, checking up on conflict. You. Maybe they don't trust for you. Me, maybe they in my relationship with Katie, with you guys. Maybe they with just Eileen, want to make sure it happens. Just like, well, come on, don't you trust you me? And when I Can step I back it? and think about it, it's like, oh, if I actually believe in this idea of trust, as like, oh, Dan, you came back to us. Maybe he's frozen, unfrozen. All right, yeah, I was frozen. All right, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like, oh, they they care for me and this is a signal of their trust, right? This is an, an opportunity for us to connect and reinforce the yeah, trust. Yeah, they're committed to the outcome and they're just following up. That's right. Yeah. In support. Yeah, and in, in my work, I you know, because every entrepreneur I know has an at least a verbal aversion to being a micromanager. Meaning like they'll, they'll usually say that, like, I don't want to be a micromanager. Right. 
Um, mostly because just like all of us, we, we give to others what we wish we received, right? So every entrepreneur I know wants tons of autonomy and get off my back, just tell me what to do and get out of my way. And so they tend to lead their people that way. And, you know, I, I tend to invite them into micro accounting, don't micromanage micro account. Like, you know, you had this conversation on a Tuesday, they're going to get something done by Thursday, check in on Wednesday. How's it going on that thing? And they're like, that's micro, is it? Or are you just checking in to see what's happening? How are you doing? Any way I can help? Anything in the way that I can assist with? Any resources you need from me? They make up that that's micromanaging, that that's distrust, or it could be being of service. Yeah, could be the highest level of care. That's right. Yeah, do you? And it's interesting because then afterwards they'll get pissed off because the person thought they were doing what was working because they didn't say anything. Yep. <laughs> they go, well, what do you mean? I mean, you didn't say anything, so I just kept doing this. It looked like it was working for me, and now you're mad at me. I don't understand. Yeah. Right? Now you're harsh. And then it's like, then the, dis- the trust, then now now the silence can't be trusted, right? Yeah. The, the person working can't trust the silence because what's hidden in the silence is what's going to come up later on in a harsh way. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, I don't, it's more important for me to look, to look good and not check in and see what's wanted and needed. Not, you know, I'd rather like look good in my own eyes rather than find out what it's going to take to have it turn out. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and, then, and that requires also in leadership to create a narrative around the purpose of my checking in. You know, it's like how mm-hmm. often do we, even think about contextualizing what the meeting is about. Like, I, I just think, well, I don't want to micromanage them and that's it. I don't give it any more thought rather than I wonder how I could have this conversation and have it bring us closer together, more reliably, you know, partners. How could that happen? Uh, you know, what, what do they need to hear from me? What do I need to hear from them before we get into it? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Adrian, you, you talked about greed in this idea of, um, immature trust. I'm going to, I'm going to also put laziness on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sloth. Um, it, it's a great opportunity for me to just check out, mm-hmm. just stop paying attention. You know, I think about this. I even think about this as here I go, I'm going to get political, but think go about this as aligning, aligning wholeheartedly with a single political party. It just, to me, from my perspective, it's full on laziness and, mm-hmm. and you're putting your trust in this thing and not checking in with it, not checking in with your own intuition around it and your own lived experience. And how many places in life do we do that? We do it with, lots of us do it with religion. We do it with politics. We do it with the leadership at our work. And, and it's just, it, it is a lazy approach to uh, relationship. Well, and, and, and it, um, it locks us into just another form of what I've already had because I'm automatic in it. I'm not present. Mm-hmm. I'm not mindful. I'm, I'm just there. I, I, I'm reacting because anybody to, that's part of this party reacts this way. Anybody who's, yeah. you know, on this side reacts this way. And if you don't react that way, you can't, you're either with us or against us. There can't be anybody who's wanting, you know, there certainly can't be anybody who's asking questions because they're looking at the pattern going, well, I don't know if I want to be part of that pattern. Maybe I'll get a little more conscious. 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's more to understand that if it keeps producing the same result, it's probably more complex than I've imagined it to be. And I don't want to deal with that because it may cause me to have to question my loyalties in a way that disturbs the foundations of my being. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to be comfortable. I'm going to, it's going to produce tension. Right. And to be in an inquiry, to find the truth, to find reality, I'm probably going to have to confront my loyalties in a way that I don't like to, I don't prefer to, because they're already settled. So, I mean, if you think about, I mean, this brings up this whole issue this, that we're going through, you know, in the world right now with the Israeli-Palestinian thing. You know, it's like anybody who questions either side is obviously against that side in in the thinking rather than, well, maybe they're looking for something that we're not seeing. Maybe, you know, this pattern, we've seen it before. And those who want to understand it can easily get labeled as anti-Israel, anti-Palestine, you know, Nazi, name it, go down. You could say whatever you want. There's a million labels. But what that does is it, it levels any examination of the nuances and the the uh, anomalies that maybe have never been seen before. And, and have we really, you know, like people go, well, what are you going to do? Well, maybe you don't know what to do till you do this kind of examination. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. that's where trust comes in because I have to trust that I'm, you know, cause I'm vulnerable when I do that. Mm-hmm. And somebody might take advantage of me if I do that mm-hmm. or might pinhole, you know, might might uh, start judging me or throw me into some camp or start, you know, that I don't, I'm not really in, but in order to not have to listen to me, like, like I'm in this camp, I'm in that camp versus I'm just, I want to understand both camps. Like, obviously, in, in that, that, that's a, you know, a big example where we can see what happens in relationship between a man and a woman or, you know, in a monogamous relationship when one goes sideways how does is the other one, can the other one really consider where they're at? Will they? Because in order to do that, one has to be more vulnerable and one has to be questioning what they've already made up about the other person to see if there's something else going on there. Like if there's other possibilities I haven't considered. And given the fact that I don't see everything, there's probably other possibilities I haven't considered that are going to show up initially as a threat. Right? And yeah. so, you know... <laughs> It's crazy. You know, that's what's scary about war is that it's a reaction, and it ain't good usually. Yeah, I we keep losing it. you, Dan. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that. Keep, yeah, you keep freezing. Sorry. Um, I was thinking about to round this conversation. I was thinking about the transformative power of of mature trust, and what a transformation it can cause. Just thinking about it for myself um, personally, it you know my my desire and my commitment to accounting to you guys and accounting to Katie in a in a meaningful way is a result of the trust that you've given me right cuz i it to me it's it's empowering i i have your trust knowing that you're going to pay attention for for this for the highest level or the the highest i don't know about highest level but the most uh the greatest experience of caring that I could experience from you guys. Mm-hmm. 
And that makes me want to, it not makes me, I want to account to you for what I'm up to because of the trust you've afforded me. It has actually transformed me in so many ways. And I don't know that a lot of people see that as a possibility if they were to employ this kind of trust on their teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the idea that comes to my mind with all this is with your point is if you trust someone, the, the, the conversation that's underneath that is you matter. Yeah. Like you matter, what you're doing matters, what you're not doing matters. Like you as a person, everything that you are, uh, really matters. And I, and I, I think this is a core human conversation. Like we're all wanting to be significant, you know, yeah. like it, that, that my life matters. And yet it's funny how we'll sometimes act the opposite. Like I want people to leave me alone or to give me space or whatever, which is the, you know, make me matter less in your eyes, but yet we're all craving the type of attention and regard and respect that we want. So it's like this paradox we live in between, yes, I matter. My life matters. My actions matter. I can make a difference. And yet leave me alone because we get all defensive. But I think just probably due to some kind of, you know, innate insecurity and such and the imposter shit and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's that paradox we've got to like dance in and it, it takes some vulnerability. Welcome to Naked Leadership Podcast. Take some vulnerability to like, to have uh, true observers of our lives and let people in in such a way that like anybody can approach me and ask me about anything I'm doing at any time. That's quite the stand. That's quite the belief system that like, yes, I'm going to let people in even in my dark things, even in my insecurities, I want people to see them. That, that, that might be a superpower. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, what some we've had multiple breakthroughs with people where they'll stand up and say, well, I don't trust you. And the minute they do that, trust is established because, yeah. oh, now they're telling me where they're really at. I, right you know, on, it's yeah. like they're beating around the bush, being evasive. I can feel myself distrusting. And all of a sudden they come out and say, well, I don't trust you. I think you're going to try to take advantage of me. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. Because now, now I know where they are. Yeah. Now I'm, we're connected. Got mm-hmm. it. Yep. Makes sense. Look, t- tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking One about my that favorite... yesterday. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Chad. Go ahead, Adrian. Uh, I was just thinking I about just... that yesterday, Dan. We were in the conversation with Charlie and talking about the trust mingle, that exercise we do in some of our trainings where, you know, you picture, if anybody's listening, you picture 25 people in the room and it's a trust mingle. So people kind of walk around and, and as soon as you're in front of somebody, you stand face to face, shoulders, you know, looking at them and you, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise in honesty and you sit there and you look at them and you just check yourself intuitively. And you can only say, you can't, it's not laughing, telling stories, high fives, anything else. You can only say one of four things. I trust you. I don't trust you. I don't know whether I trust you or not, or I don't care to say. And it's early in this process just because it gives people a chance to really get connected to their own intuition and give feedback to somebody else. And ironically, no, even if someone walked around saying, I don't trust you to all of them, ironically, they have moved forward in trust, even if their declaration was, I don't trust anybody. But the fact that you would tell someone, I don't trust you, generates trust. It's this very 
interesting reciprocal relationship. I don't trust you. Oh, great. Now we're more connected. It's so weird like that. And what's really interesting is we'll think about, well, I only trust people when they give me a reason to trust. Right. Or I don't trust people until they give me a reason not to trust them. Yeah. But what's really interesting about both those is that I don't show up. <laughs> I don't show up in the conversation. My belief shows up, so I come in already trusting you. So I'm not really with you. My belief that you're trustworthy is with you until it's not. Or I don't trust you till you show me how I can, that I shouldn't trust you. Hmm. Both of those are like I'm acting out of a formula. I'm not there. I'm just, I'm presencing what I've predetermined I'm going to be before I get with you. So I can't be with who you are for me. I'm with who I think you should be at the moment. Like, I can't trust you till you give me reason not to. So I don't versus who's here. Do I want to bestow trust? What are they really about? Right. What do I experience with them when I'm with them? Right. To, I cut all that off. And I just predetermined myself. To, and, and then I say, I trust you, which is really untrusting. <laughs> it's kind of a, un, it's like an untrustworthy worthy thing. You're just giving me your formula. Which yeah, is your what, trust. I see what you're saying is that the trust is more in the formula and you're trying to figure out where they fit in your formula rather than seeing who's actually Being with there. them, right? Yeah. And then, and, and well, I'm trusting, I'm a trusting person. I trust everybody till they give me reason not to. Well, actually, no, if you trust them, you'd be with them wherever they're at. Mm. If you think about it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that—that's what naive trust is, though. It's naive to think that I can trust everybody till they give me a reason not to. You can go ahead and do that, but welcome to the school of hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> you might be missing some signals. Mm-hmm. There's some hard times coming. That's great. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate this conversation. Great to be with you guys. I trust you. No, I don't. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I trust you. Who the hell better. am I? <laughs> All right, man. All right. All right bye-bye, everybody.